Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Alright, good morning Harvest. Good morning. Alright, wide awake, that's good. I'm encouraged. Uh, is Howie here today? <laughs> there he is. Alright, Howie's getting ready to take his nap. He warns me every time I preach, he gets a good nap out of all this, but maybe the Spirit of God will work in his life today. We'll see. Um, you know, when you get a book, there's a preface sometimes, and uh, I just want to give you a little bit of a preface before we uh, hop into Psalm 139. If you've been paying attention at all, um, I've been in a class in a program since September called Listening People to Life, and it's about spiritual direction. And it's a class that deals a lot with being a person who listens to others and directs them in the way, hopefully, that God wants them to go. It is not counseling. It is not therapy. It is not coaching. It's just a lot of listening and and asking questions and teaching people how to be reflective. And so today's message is dealing with how to live this reflective life. Now, the thing I want to be clear about is this might not be the most interesting message. Uh, It might not have the Zoom and excitement that most of us think. But I want to say after being in this class for about nine months, what can happen today in this short period of time may very well change your life as it's beginning to change mine. And it's not that I'm acquiring new knowledge, because it's not about new knowledge, but it's actually slowing down. And not just to slow down, because I know sometimes when we say, hey man, you need to take a break and you slow down, our options are when I'm ready, I'll sit on the couch and I'll veg and I'll binge Netflix or whatever it is and try to catch up. But this is an actual purposeful slowing down to be with God, because then I know God's calling me to do something. And if God does not go with me, I can do whatever I want as as emotionally powerful as I want, but if he is not in it, it means... Nothing in terms of eternity. So I want us to just take one minute here. So I'm going to pull out your phones, if you can. Maybe we can do this together. This is what we call, not synchronized swimming, but synchronized timing. And this is how I want to start today's message. I want us to literally take one minute. I was going to go for two, but I'm going to go for one. Actually, I wonder if we should go for two, because it kind of like, well, you know when you get the two-minute warning in football, and it seems like it takes forever? Um, I think that's what's going to happen. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two minutes. I'm going to bump it up. So if you want to put two minutes on your timer, and I'm going to ask you, taking a risk here, but I'm going to ask you, don't do anything, but bow your head, and close your eyes, and then pay attention to what goes on in your mind and what goes on in your heart. Please do not fall asleep. If it were me, I'll be honest with you. I would probably. All right. Let's bow our heads and press that two minutes. And let's be absolutely silent for two minutes. All right. If you haven't gotten the hint, <laughs> those two minutes are up. Now, I want a little more preface. I've been spoiled having Pastor Jeff around in youth group because there's so much more interaction. So I'm going to ask for a little interaction if you want to help me out. If you don't, then I'll take the hint and and I'll just move on. But does anyone want to share what that two minutes was for you before I I share what it might have been? 
Anybody want to, in two minutes, that was <clears throat> long. Okay, I heard long, if I heard that correctly. Man, that was long. All right, that is true because that is a long two minutes. Anybody else? Any other reactions? Anyone have the reaction that while you're sitting there during those two minutes, what are you thinking? All the things you have to do, right? Things that you haven't really sat down and said, I know that when I do this, what happens is I start thinking about, oh, I forgot to call so-and-so. Like last night, I forgot to call Brian Kim. Good pastor, right? No, not really. I forgot to do that. And I start thinking, oh, I should be doing this. And I should be doing that. So for you, two minutes, that two minutes might have been a long two minutes because you recognized how many things I have to do and just haven't gotten to. And sometimes it's that low-hanging fruit that's been sitting there for months. So that two minutes can be a really long time because now the anxiety begins to grow. I want to get this done. I want to get this done. Uh, anybody else? Any other reactions? It was a long two minutes. That would be one of the reasons. Any other reactions? It wasn't long enough. Who said that? All right. Excellent. Good. Yeah, it's not long enough, really. Um, it, it, but for most of us, it's really difficult, especially if you don't have a focus. And if you ever get to that place, and here's the interesting thing. I was reading a book, and uh, the book was about <coughs> flunking or failing sainthood. And it's a woman who spent 12 months trying to do spiritual disciplines, and she was talking about how difficult it was to actually practice silence, to just listen to God. And uh, she wrote a book, and she's writing, she can't even do 10 minutes. After years of being a leader uh, in a church, after years of leading retreats and all this stuff, 10 minutes. So imagine 10 minutes versus 2 minutes, it can be really long. So... How do we want to do this? I want us to look at Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. I'm going to read them for us. One thing I've learned in this class is how to write my own translation of the Word of God. So here's like a little squirrel for a moment. And I know that sounds really weird because you're thinking, like, we're not supposed to rewrite the Word of God here, bro. I don't know if I should be listening to you. What I do is I take three versions of the Bible. The New American Standard, the version that the Apostle Paul used. The NIV. Nobody got that? You got that though, right? <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. The, the NIV and the New Living Translation. And I take each one of those verses out of Bible Gateway, I put it on a Word doc, and then I read all three of them together. And then what I try to do is come up with a fuller or more amplified version of that verse, which is then I've added a fourth version, which is the actual amplified version. I say this because it helps me to actually reflect on that short passage of scripture because now I actually have to read it and think about it will actually flow. I want to tell you, if you stop listening after this, I want to encourage you to do just this. Take a verse or two, take a few versions, Write them out, type them out, cut and paste, whatever you have to do, and then reassemble that verse so it fits into a nice flow of what is it that all of these people are trying to say this so you get the point. Here's the point of what I think that this is about. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you 
whether it is wicked or hurtful, and lead me in the path everlasting. That's four different versions down into one which I make my own, and it teaches me how to be reflective. Because now I actually have to think. Not only just prepare for this sermon, but I have to think about the verse. So how does this work? Here's the context. If you want to open your Bibles, take your phones out. I'm going to encourage you to do this, but take your phone out. Bible Gateway, Psalm 139. I'm not going to read the first 22 verses. I'm just going to give you a summary and a little bit of what I think is an explanation. And I want you to see that for the first 18 verses of this psalm, David, who is said to have written this psalm, is focused on who God is, what God does, and how much God loves him slash loves his people. Verses 1 through 6, David talks about how he is seen by God. He says, whether I sit, rise up, go out, lie down, even before I say a word, you know my thoughts, you know me, you know what I'm going to say, and you know what I'm going to do. In other words, David is saying in these first six verses is that I am seen by God. God, I'm seen by you. Not just physically seen, but I am actually seen by you. Now, I don't have the greatest of eyesight, but if I'm not mistaken, that's Laura up there, right? Okay, I see Laura. If you all wanted to look like now, the little Pastor Jeff moment, let's all look at Laura. Say, hi, Laura. All right, that's a little Pastor Jeff moment there for us. But we see her. But you know what? You don't really see her. Right? Unless you are in her life and know what she is going through, you don't see her. But what the psalmist David here is saying is, God, you see me. You know me. We see Laura physically. We don't see what's happening in her life. But I'm going to tell you right now, sister, God sees you right where you're at. He knows you and he loves you. Next part of the psalm goes on. The writer says in the sense that Wherever I go, if I go to heaven, if I go to hell, if I try to flee God and go to Tarshish when I'm supposed to go to Nineveh, God, you still see me. It doesn't matter. Light, dark, whiteout snowstorm, whatever it is, fog, dusk, hiding under the covers, hiding under the bed, hiding in a closet, wherever you are, God pursues you. David is saying, God, you pursue me. He chases after you. He's pursuing us. Why? Because he knows us and he loves us. So even if you wanted to go hide and you wanted to leave and go to the bathroom, God still pursues us. And so the psalmist is saying, God, you know me, you see me, you love me, you pursue me. And, and, and the crazy thing is you fashion me. He's made us. Verses 13 through 18, it says, You know me. You created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Weaving me in that secret place. <coughs> Even as I'm in my mother's womb, you are making me. You're, you're creating me. You're fashioning me. You're, you're, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And in those first 18 verses, the only thing that we can say is this is like, wow. <coughs> or hopefully that's the thing that you're saying, is, wow, God sees me, God pursues me, God has made me, I am special, he's ordained my days. This is 
absolutely incredible that God would do so much for me. And when I hear those verses and think of those verses, I think to myself, wow, I know me. I'm pretty selfish. I pursue my own stuff. I know what I'm like. I really chase after my own stuff. And the sad thing is, I can still walk away from this and say, wow, after all this, all this that you know, God, you still see me, love me, pursue me, and want to continue to make me into the image of Jesus Christ. Wow! Is that not a wow? Did I get an amen just for the sake of saying amen? I mean, like, wow, God loves me! Yeah, that's right! Because if you really knew who I was, you'd be saying, whoa, why? Don't you have someone else better to love? And I would have to agree with that one. There are a lot other people who are a lot more loving and lovable than I am. And yet God still loves me. Now this psalm confuses me because at this point I'm like, this is craziness. You ever watch those movies where they're talking, you know, like about what happened and the future and the backstory and they're driving along in their car and you know what's coming, right? What's coming? The garbage truck or the tank or whatever it is that's going to T-bone the car and half the people in the car are going to die. Are you with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? Verse 19 is God's T-bone from the psalmist David because here it is, God loves me, God knows me, God's pursuing me, God's fashion, and he says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. (laughs) It's like, what? David, what are you talking about, man? We are talking about how much God loves us, and we're walking along, and this is really cool. God loves me. This is out of, bam, out of nowhere. It's wow. Wow, let's just slay the wicked here, man. Let's just do this. He goes on, he says, Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. It's like, bro, what are you doing to me here? You're ruining the sermon. We're talking about how much God loves us, how much God sees us, how much God pursues us, how he's made us, how he wants to continue to make us into the image of Christ. And you come along with this kind of language, it just doesn't make sense. And I was thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and the only thing that I could come up with is like, it's like being a parent. You're like, what? What kind of parent are you, bro? I do have questions about my parenting for sure. But it's kind of like a parent. Okay, parents, let's, and if there's no amens after this, I don't know what you're doing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Have you ever done, on one of those days, everything for your kids? You take them to the tournament or you take them to where they want to go. You take them to all these places. You get them the food that they want to eat, the snacks they want. It's just a day of absolute generosity. And you're pouring into your kids and it's like, man, they are soaking it up. And they get home and you forget one thing and they go, what? You don't love me. Or they start complaining about how you never give them anything. Isn't that classic? Like you never give me. Wait a second, man. How do you as a parent react? If you're like me, I say, bless you, my child. Forgive me, for I have sinned. Right? Man, that's not what happens. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking this T-bone is David's reaction to the world around him. In other words, he is contemplating and reflecting on how much God loves him. And I have to feel that David really gets that he's made his heirs as well. He's committed his sins as well. And, and, and he looks at the wicked, and he says to them, do you not know how much God loves you? 
Don't you get it? And they say, dude, shut it. We want nothing to do with God. We hate God. And it brings up that anger in him. He's like, I cannot believe that you would actually say that. And so I, I think that brief little interlude is this emotional reaction to the rejection of God, and not just the rejection of God, but the fact that these people would fall into idolatry and wander after other gods rather than pursuing the God that loves them. Does that make a little bit more sense? To this? Because otherwise, to me, it just doesn't make sense. And in the last few verses, this is where David comes along and says, okay, God, I have seen how much you love me. And I've seen the reaction, and I reacted so poorly. I get that. But you know what? I don't, I don't want to be like them. Not because I'm better than them, but because I actually know myself. And if left to myself, I could be like them. I think that's the, the attitude that any person who follows Jesus, any person who's a Christian should have. I am not better than you. In fact, I could be worse than you if I'm really honest about it. I want you to know the love of God. And I see what's happening in your life now, and I see what can happen in eternity. And so I turn to God and I say, Oh God, search me, search me thoroughly. Because I don't want to get to that place where I turn away from you. I don't want to get to that place where I reject you. And that's what these verses are talking about. So let's look at it a little bit more clearly here we go. It says, search thoroughly. What's the benefits of having a faith that is reflectively? Really, basically, David says, first of all, God, search me thoroughly. I mean, really, really look at me. Has anyone here ever lost their wedding ring? Shame! <laughs> I have too. I lost it. I didn't tell my wife, and I had actually my, my father's um, wedding ring, and it looked the same, so I put it on, she never knew. <laughs> I did tell her, though, so this is not like an open confession. Um, but yeah, you lose your wedding ring. What do you do? You're all over the house looking for it here, looking for it there, looking for it there. Do you ever lose your wallet? Your keys? Money, right? What do we do? Anything that is anywhere that can be possibly hiding it, you are overturning everything. You are looking in drawers, turning out clothes. You're looking, is it, did it fall behind the cushions in the couch? Everything gets turned up down. So when David says, listen, turned upside down. David says, listen to me. Oh God, search me thoroughly. One of my greatest joys in life, and I know this is weird, is but I love going to dance competitions for my daughter Janet. And I loved this Tuesday when I went to her, or uh, Wednesday, no, Tuesday, uh, to her orchestra concert. And here's why I love it. Although, admittedly, I don't really like the dance competition because it's like 300 groups almost doing the same kind of stuff over and over for like six hours. And I'm like, I've seen this move 300 times. So I don't like that part. But I like the part when my daughter comes on stage. Not because I get to see her dance, but because there's something like she's looking for me and I'm looking for her. And no, it just never fails. I, I, we always meet eyes and I do this. Because that's my, my heart to you, babe. My heart to you. And we did it on Tuesday at the orchestra thing. It's just for me, it's like I'm trying to move. So see me, see me. I want you to see me. And it, I'm thinking about this this morning. And it's like, that is God. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? That is God. God is saying, hey, I am over here. Look for me. And David is saying, I don't want to miss you, God. So I want you to search me thoroughly. 
really, let's just turn up everything. Let's look at everything in my life. Let's look at everything. There's no stone unturned. So when David says, search me thoroughly, he says, God, do the max. Get to the root of everything. But then he says, search me, O God. What I want us to see here, and I put the me in red. Actually, okay, fine. Kaylee did all the slides. Like Joe was saying, like, hey, the slides are different today. <laughs> okay, fine. I did the 15 in a row because of it. She changed it. Squirrel, forgive me. Search me. Look at it again. Not search them. I'm not going to sit here and say, look at Gordon. God, search him. Search him. No. Hey, Sarah's over there. God, search her. Yeah, search her. No. David says, search me. This should be our prayer. It's my prayer. Search me. Look at me. I'm not wanting to look at someone else per se, but at this moment, God, I really want you to search me. Search me. When we spend this reflective life, it's not in order to be reflective so that I can then go up here and say, look at all of you and what's wrong with you, and I want to straighten out the church because I've got it together. The bad news is this, I don't have it together, I've never had it together, and I don't plan on ever having it together because the problem is me, not you. So when David the psalmist says, God, search me, he literally means, search me. Look into my heart, not somebody else, not somebody else. One of the struggles I have is, is, is being the kind of leader that people really need. Someone who's detailed and someone who's really organized and has all those things. Now, I've got to say one thing. I love lists. I love organization. I, I got lists. I have tons of lists. I love checking boxes. My favorite thing on the computer that I learned from the Kairos Journal is to be able to come up with this long list and just knock things off. It's so beautiful. You have 20 things to do and then you're down to seven by the end of the day and I feel fulfilled. I'm happy. I love lists. But I'm realizing I'm not the most organized of people. Do I get an amen from some of the leaders who've worked for me? With me? Ah, so I am organized. All right, thank you. Yeah, you're all lying. <laughs> we sat down last Sunday at a youth group leaders meeting, and they're like, bro, man, bro. I had to apologize to at least one of the leaders that I caught this week and say, I am sorry that I was not the leader that you needed. I am not saying this. I'm not going to go to them and say, I am sorry that you perceive leadership incorrectly and I didn't match that. What do you call that? That's the classic non-apology apology. My favorite thing. Listen, the reason you have problems following my leadership is because you have problems. You want somebody organized. Now, if you'd only been less organized like me, we'd get along great. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Right? No, the problem is me. I am the leader. And I did not lead the way I was intended or God had called me to lead. The simple apology is I apologize for not being the leader that you needed. That's an apology. So the psalmist David says, search me. Search me. David, why? Why are we searching you? Come on, man. Tell us, bro. He says this. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Don't just know my behavior. 
Is anyone here like me? Like you can be a good person, a good citizen, but in your heart you're seething? Anybody? Okay, just me and Chris. Oh, me, Chris, and Lynn. It's all of us over 60-ish. Except for me, I'm still in my 50s. And Lynn, you're still in your 50s, so that leaves you Chris. Okay. <clears throat> oh. Right. Sorry. We'll talk about that at staff meeting. <laughs> my heart. Search my heart. And I'm just going to summarize this. Hear what he says. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, whether it is wicked or hurtful, and lead me in the path of everlasting life. Basically, what David is saying is this. God, you love me, you see me, you pursue me, you have fashioned me, you are continuing to fashion me into the image of Christ. Now, this is I'm pulling this backwards because David wouldn't have seen Christ, just in case you want to email me later. But that's the idea for us today. That whole idea, you see that. And you see the wicked... You see how I could be? Know my heart. Search my heart thoroughly. See, what he's saying is this. There's two ways to be in a relationship. You can either push someone away or you can pull them close. You can push them away or you can pull them close. And David says, God, you love me. You see me. You pursue me. You fashion me, you love me. I pull close. <clears throat> if there is anything that is in me that pushes you away, put it up on a big billboard and say, your blank, whatever it is, is pushing me away. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Boom, the, 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 the psalmist says, search me. Get that billboard out there, God. And if it has to be that billboard down 294, if you ever go during fireworks, what is it, Crazy Dave's or whatever, every billboard, Crazy Dave, we have the fireworks. Over and over again after a while, I want to buy the fireworks because the guy's driving me crazy because he spent so much money on billboards. And that's how I sometimes feel with my life. It's the same thing over and over again. God says, get this away. Get this away. It's pushing us away. And the psalmist here, David, is saying, God, if there's anything in my life, search it out. Find it. Bring it before me because I don't want to do it. I don't want to push you away. It is foolishness to think of how much you know me, love me, pursue me, make me, fashion me, and to think that I would fall into sin to push you away is absolute nonsense. The goal that David has is to draw near to God. Why? Because God loves him so much. How does David know that God loves him so much? I really think it's because David has been searched and he's looked at himself and he has said, why? <clears throat> Look at all my failures. I mean, we often think that David, the man after God's own heart, if you read the Old Testament, you're reading through it, you're going to see a lot of David and go, bro, that is so messed up. You are messed up, bro. You are so messed up. And after all of that, God could still say, here's a man after my own heart. Yeah, it's messed up. You know why it's messed up? Because God still loves David. And he looks at all of us, and he loves us in our mess as well. Wow. That's just craziness. That's, it's, it's wow. 
See, the, 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 the psalm itself is like one big piece of God loves me. And I am so blown away at how much God loves me. He knows me so closely. He sees my heart. And he still wants to draw close. So David's response is, God, if you're like, if you really feel that, and I know you do, then please, if there's any wickedness in me, if there's any hurtful way in me, get it out of me. Get it out of me. I want nothing to do with it. That's when you know you've begun to connect with God in a way that is so much different than what we're normally seeing. It's not a connection of the mind only, but also of the heart and the life that says, I want nothing to do with anything that draws me away from God. <clears throat> you tell me what it is that will draw me closer to God, and I'm in. I'm there. You name it. I mean, That's the psalmist. That's what this whole psalm is about, this tremendous love of God and the response of the one who loves God in return is, I want you. So search me thoroughly, completely. Search my heart. And if you see the wicked and hurtful way in me, let's get rid of it. Lead me in this path that leads to life, to flourishing, to abundance. It might not mean worldly success, but it does mean the active presence of God in our lives. Let me finish with this. One of the spiritual disciplines that we've been learning in this class is something called the daily examine or the prayer of examine. If you were at the retreat years ago with Pastor Hollis, you would have also heard this. But for me, even though I heard that message, it really didn't mean much to me because it was way too complicated. And I don't really like complication. Just give me something simple. So I'm going to try to simplify the prayer of examine as best as possible. The prayer of examine is, and you have to understand this, it is not to examine and search and find out just what is wrong with you. And I'll send this out for you, and I have a couple sheets of paper, so if you want to take pictures, feel free to do so, but I have all this stuff for you. But it's, it's, it's an exercise in discerning how much God loves you and wants to lead you. Do not... Turn it into a, I did this wrong today, God forgive me practice. Because if you do that, then you have missed the entire intent of the prayer of examine. It is intended to bring you to a place where you understand God and his love for you. I'll tell you why I like it. I first came across it again when I was doing the Kairos Journal. It's something that Pastor Dave offered at the beginning of the year. If you can get it, get it just to get started. I then changed and adapted the whole thing, and I had my own thing that I work on my own. <clears throat> but it has helped me really see who I am in my heart. And I am astounded sometimes at who I am in my heart. I wish I could tell you I'm astounded and amazed, like, wow, what a great guy you are. But the thing that astounds me the most, like the psalmist here, is like, wow. God loves me in my mess and wants to lead me. That's what the prayer of examine is. It has changed the way I see myself. It has changed the way I see God, and slowly but surely, it's helping me change the way I see other people. For you, I think what you'll find in this is a process. And I say process because you're not going to pick up this way of examine, and then suddenly you're going to be through it and like, dude, I'm changed. It's a miracle. Wow. No, it's a process. I used to write a journal when I graduated from Moody Bible Institute back in 1987. 
Many of you weren't even born then, right? Some of you, 1987, such a long time ago, after my eighth year of college. So there's a story in there. And I would write the journal, and one day after writing journals for several years, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go take a walk down memory lane, and I'm going to read the old journals. And I, op- I started reading the old journals, and I was like, bro, you have not changed one bit. <laughs> You're the same scoundrel you were years ago. Why are you even doing this? So I quit. And there was a period, even this year, where I'm looking and I'm saying, God, it's the same thing over and over and over again. This is getting ridiculous. But that process of staying with it, I'm going to stay with this because I need you, God, period. I just need you. I'm going to stick with it. And then that, after you get past that kind of dark night of the soul, things open up and you go, wow. I really haven't changed much since I first became a follower of Jesus in May of 1982, 40 years ago. But I'm seeing how God continues to reshape me little bit by little bit, working through a process of coming to a place where I can be more like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to do this. And in and, and doing this, I believe that it will get you to a place where slowly but surely you not understand who you are, which is part of the exam, but you understand how much God really loves you. That's the psalm. That's the scripture. It's so clear. For God so loved the world. God demonstrates his love for you and for me in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. With the hope that little by little he will turn us into the image of his son Jesus until he finally purifies us on that final day. Full and complete. To me, that's the benefit of the reflective life. To get to that place to see that God truly loves me for who I am. He will not leave me there, but he will work in me. He will seek to change my heart, my thinking, my way of living so that I can become more like Jesus. The benefits of the reflective life are beyond what we can imagine because many of us will come to church, think of an application, go to community group, think of an application, read more applications throughout the week as we read the Bible. We have so many applications, we get so overwhelmed, nothing changes, and God says, just come and be and listen I will change you. And then we will go and do something together. You see, the call of God all throughout Scripture is not only that God loves us, but that he wants us to go. The reflective life isn't just about me, but it's going. God came to Moses and said, go to Egypt. I'll go with you. Let's go to the promised land. And then he turned around and said to Joshua, you go into the promised land. I will go with you. Wherever David went, God was, I will go with you. Jesus called his disciples and he said, be with me and I will make you fishers of men. Be with me and you will preach and cast out demons. And on that last day before he rose or ascended into heaven, he said, I will always be with you. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. God loves us. And it's the reflective life that brings us to that place. So, what I have over here on the side for you later, this is afterwards, you can come up to me and I will also send it in the uh, recap during the week. 
on how to do the prayer of examine, but to do it with a little bit more focus. So this is what I'm going to do. We began the service with two minutes. Some of you are like, man, it was long. And it was long for a reason, because you had no guidance. I'm going to guide you with two questions. I probably should have put them up there, but it's not really hard. How have you connected with God today or this week? How have you connected with God today or this week? And on the flip side, to help you with that, how have you disconnected yourself from God today or this week? Those are two opposite questions. One is a pulling and the other is a pushing. And the crazy thing I've learned, I can pull and push almost instantaneously. I can worship God getting onto the highway on I-90. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And three seconds later, you dirty, rotten, stinking jerk didn't let me in. Pull, push. Let's set our clocks. Set our clocks. I know some of you had like quick clocks. I don't know what those are. There's like 30 seconds into it, somebody's clock went off. I was like, wow, that's like fast time. All right, I'm going to do it so that we don't have everyone going off, but at least you have it there. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes, and I want you to literally think through those two questions with a simple prayer before it. Search me thoroughly, O God. Search me thoroughly. Know my heart. Speak to me. What am I doing that is pulling you towards me? What am I doing that is pushing you? And that's where we'll end it. In that two minutes, I'll pray for us, and let's begin. Father, just reading this psalm with different eyes, trying to understand David. I thank you for that kind of work that I hope represents who you are so clearly. How you see us, you know us so clearly. You know us like no one else does. How you pursue us. I mean, actively chase after us while we're running the other way sometimes. Full tilt, all out. You still pursue us. We can't go anywhere and get away from you. You are there. And just to imagine how much you have fashioned us physically in our mother's womb, and yet how you have continued to fashion us up until this very moment with your ultimate goal and design not only just to express your love, but to make us into the image of your son, Jesus. Thank you so much. And that's why we join David and say, God, search us thoroughly. Know our hearts. And if there is anything that we are doing that is pushing you away, show it to us and help us get rid of it. And then those ways where we need to be drawing closer to you, then I pray that you show us those as well. And that not just by ourselves, but with others, we pursue that. Like hungry wolves after a pack of shepherdless sheep. May we hunger for you. May we be thirsty for you. May we walk in that way of flourishing, that everlasting life, that eternal life, that you offer us through Jesus, be the very thing that we drown in, in a good way. Succumb to, surrender, and give our lives fully and completely to your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. 
Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.